My name is August McLaughlin, and I've been contemplating girl boners for years. It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin, a spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting, and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted, and she loves to talk sex. Tinder is used in 196 countries and boasts 1.6 billion swipes every day. Then there are the lesser-known dating sites like personals, where you can meet other cat lovers who really match your personality, or gluten-free singles, which is kind of self-explanatory, and my personal favorite, farmer wants a wife. Then again, meet an inmate.com. Sounds kind of interesting. Welcome back to Girl Boner Radio, everyone. I'm your host, August McLaughlin, and I'm so thankful you're listening. Remember my chat from a few weeks ago with digital sociologist Dr. Julie Albright? We talked about pros and cons of digital technology and what she calls the untethering of our society that our devices have contributed to and ways to deal with those things. Yesterday, I watched an awesome new film released by Gravitas Ventures called The Browsing Effect that sheds light on these trends in a very fun and insightful way you can probably relate to. It's an ensemble comedy that centers on a group of friends who get caught up in a whirlwind of sex, jealousy, and self-doubt thanks to the endless availability of dating apps and examines dating culture in the age of swiping. Today, I'm joined in the studio by writer and director Michael K. Feinstein, who's also known for Match from the Past, and one of its stars, Nikki Suhu, who I happened to catch in The Resident last night, and you may recall from her role in Stick It or the incredible film based on a book, uh, Lovely Bones. We'll also hear Dr. Megan Fleming's thoughts for a listener who wants to trust herself and trust love again after an affair she had with an old high school flame that started through Facebook broke up her longtime relationship. Before we dive in, a quick reminder to sign up for occasional Girl Boner extras by email at augustmclaughlin.com or girlboner.org. While you're there, you can check out my books, Girl Boner and Girl Boner Journal. Both are full of stories and exercises to help you deepen your sexual empowerment journey and learn more about yourself and have a ton of fun in the process. If you appreciate the books or this podcast, I hope you'll consider posting a review on Amazon, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you purchase or listen. That support really helps us reach more people who could use sex-positive messages the most and keep this programming free for listeners. Now, I'm so pleased to welcome Michael K. Feinstein and Nikki Suhu to talk about the browsing effect, some trendy dating terms, online dating, pros and challenges, and more. Thank you both for being here. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, I'm so excited. Yeah, we're happy to be here. So you've done one short and one feature well, on I've done, yeah, dating uh, yes. technology mm-hmm. and like trends and stuff. Yeah, uh, Match for the Past was a short film about a girl who downloads a magical a dating app that allows her to uh, match with historical figures, and she goes on dates with Karl Marx and um, and Beethoven, and I think she falls for Abraham Lincoln. That is awesome. I love that. Why dating and dating kind of technology? Is that why did you want to make this film? Um, you know, I think as a writer, I'm always looking for subjects that I feel like haven't been done to death, and. Uh, also, subjects that I I feel a personal connection to, and you know I've been using these apps to meet people for you know the last five or six years, so it felt like something that I had a lot of firsthand experience on, some something that I had you know ideas about, uh, and it was something that I hadn't really seen portrayed in film or TV yet, or portrayed. Seriously, you know, that wasn't condescending to the people who were using these apps. Yeah, which I think you do really well. I feel like it's it's um, it points out some of the challenges and kind of the funny things that happen. But it also really shows respect for the opportunities and, and some of the good things. Nikki, tell us about your character. So my character's name is Rachel, and she is one of those go-getter women who is all about having, you know, the best career, the best life, the you know, and showing that to the world. Um, but even though everybody else may think that she has everything, 
um, on the inside, she still doesn't feel fulfilled. She feels like she's still missing something. Uh, like nothing is good enough. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's kind of that struggle of wanting what her best friend has, but then trying to show like, but my life is great, even if uh, really she's broken on the inside. Which social media can really fuel, right? Totally. <laughs> For most anyone. Do you relate? How similar or different are you from the character? Um, I, I definitely relate to her go-getter side. You know, I am always trying to uh, better myself and and make sure that I'm on the right path in life. And especially at that time when we made the movie, which was a couple years ago, I was trying to find myself, you know, and I was holding to these societal structures of what it meant to be successful. And luckily, you know, I kind of grew out of that and I learned to follow what makes me happy um, instead of what society says should make me happy. And now I don't really care what anyone thinks. I just do whatever I want. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I hope we all get to that place. Michael, you mentioned that you've used these apps yourself. Sure. Did you incorporate any very closely inspired by experiences? Yeah, sure. I mean, I'd say 65 70% of the movie is, is stuff that either happened to me exactly as it is in the movie or in some way, uh, you know, I hope we kind of, you know, it, there's an old adage of the more personal you make things, the more universal it'll be. And, you know, I had to kind of trust that as a writer that as I went closer and closer to my own personal experiences, it would only mean that it would be more accessible to other people. Yeah, yeah, it certainly feels that way. I, I love the scene with the Tinder napping. Oh, yeah. <laughs> could you, without giving the whole film away, could you share a little bit about what happened there? Yeah. I mean, I think it it's kind of trying to touch on the fact that there are some security risks that happen with dating people that you don't know at all and you have no network to. So your friends don't know them, your family do, don't know them. Um, and, and, you know, in the film, basically, I get myself into a situation where um, I get, I get, you know, possibly, I don't know how to not give this away. Well, here, here, here's what I'll say. It's, you know, it was important to me to kind of talk about how with these apps, there's just such a wide range of experiences. I think when we've seen it before, we've seen a very narrow sliver of, oh, this person's catfishing me or whatever. And I really wanted to show that range. And of course, on one side of the range, you have people meeting the loves of their lives and having real romances with people that they wouldn't have met before that are outside of their circle. And I wanted to show that. And it seemed appropriate to go to the other pole, which is what's everybody's worst nightmare? What's the thing that when apps first came out, your mother warned you about, oh, you don't know who these people are. Someone could kidnap you. And, you know, it has happened in in real life. You know, there have been Not people. Not long ago. Yeah, I mean, multiple times, you know, people who've lost their lives uh, because of the people they have uh, met online. So it seemed within the world and within what I was kind of trying to say, uh, to show both of those polarities. Totally. It's an entertaining way to bring light to something that we should all just keep in mind. Not yeah, be paralyzed sure. I mean, by, listen, but... It's, it's definitely the exception. But, yeah. you know, listen, exposing yourself to people that you wouldn't have normally seen, it, it can go one or two ways. You can make these great connections with people you wouldn't have otherwise met, or you could uh, put yourself in harm's way. I mean, it goes, like, like all things in life, everything's a risk. Yeah. Risk and reward. For sure. So since we talked about Tinder napping, I thought we could talk about some of the most recent trendy dating terms. And I'm going to admit, I only knew one of these, okay. so don't worry. Yeah, I think I'm going to be horrible at this okay. game. <laughs> we'll just take wild guesses. Yeah. Okay. 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 So the first one, what is R-bombing? R-bombing. Sounds uh, like a pirate. <laughs> I don't know. R-bombing. Oh, I, I like this. Um, I think that's when uh, you, you go out with a lot of people uh, named like uh, Rachel and Rebecca, <laughs> and it doesn't go well. That's it's a just really like, good guess. That's like, a good one. It's like, oh, I R bombed again tonight. It just didn't go well. <laughs> Moving with on Rachel. to the S's. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's really yeah, funny. I have no I, I'm idea. Pretty, I'm pretty sure I'm mean. correct about that. I, you don't even need to read the answer. I, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll say that you're also correct. Um, 
But what the internet says is the perpetrator will read your message but fail to respond. So it's like ghosting but with a check mark. Well, I've heard the phrase that they left me on red. Oh, I've heard that turn of phrase. I've been left on red. Uh, I've heard that before. The the only closure you got was that darn check mark. Bombing is so uh, dramatic. Or bombed to to something that's... uh, that's kind of very, very passive, yeah, passive it, aggressive. Right. You would think a bomb is is actually active. Yeah. Versus. We don't. Internet, we're not sure. Red. I think my explanation was better. You know, let's, let's I, I kind of vote for yours too. <laughs> okay. So what is cloaking? Cloaking. That just sounds like a magician or like something yeah. in Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that's when oh, you. I guess that'd be like ghosting, maybe. Like you put on the cloak and then you disappear. So it's like. Ghosting. I think it's when you um, you have in a you have uh, some kind of sexual relation in the bathroom of the magic castle. Um, Ooh, I like all of these answers, <laughs> Nikki. You're pretty close. <laughs> so cloaking is kind of like ghosting, but instead of just ignoring them, you block them on every app you've used to communicate, such as dating apps, Facebook, and Instagram, and you block their number. So literally, there is no way mm. to get in touch with you. Oh. Cloaking, and then maybe you go to the magic castle and have sex under something. <laughs> How, so what do we see as the difference between cloaking and blocking? Yeah. I think that blocking is more just, it could be attached to any scenario where this cloaking must be with everything. actually a dating person. Okay. You know what I mean? Because you could, I think so. Or maybe okay. you're right, cloaking means everything. Yeah. You do it. Like, like you block me on Facebook. But not on but Twitter. But not on, yeah. Cloaking yeah. is kind of ubiquitous. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Blocking. Got it. It's like all over the world you, you block. This is the only one that I knew, fubbing. Fubbing. Hmm. That just sounds like you are saying you're making up the truth. Like you maybe are exaggerating what you actually are to create a persona that is not quite that true. I don't know. Like fibbing. Yeah, that's, like I don't fibbing, know. Maybe fibbing. maybe that's where I was. Which not. could be where it came from. It's it's not the answer that I'm going for here, but I like that one. I think it's um, it's it describes uh, men who uh, are or, or women who are attracted to muffin ham- handles, uh, <laughs> uh, love handles, and muffin tops is what I mean. There and could that be a is, whole porn genre. Yeah, fubbing. Yeah, see, fubbing sounds like fi- like like what was the word you used? Fibbing, fibbing, and fudging together. Yes. You know, very, very, on that one, I'm so sure. close, so close. It's the practice of ignoring somebody when you're supposed to be paying attention and you're on your device. Oh, well. So it's I, like you're on a date just... and you're texting or. Yeah, I think, that's, Wait, I don't I, get I think it. that's just how people interact these days. So like if I started tweeting right now while yeah. we're having a conversation, that's so it'd be like on a date, but you're on the phone. Oh, OK. That's yeah. fubbing. Yeah, which is related to deceit, you know, especially if like they're talking to their partner at home and you're supposed to be having a date. Or something, uh, but really, it could be something uh, mundane. You yeah, could be totally, fubbing, right? It just means just, that you're not connected, really. Yeah, yeah. you're well, like the person. Kids that you're these with. days totally. love to fub. Yeah, <laughs> they just love to oh, fub. They love to fub. <laughs> <laughs> Do they also love to bird box? That's the other. This is our last one. This Ooh. was the movie with Sandra Bullock. Right. This is kind of my favorite of the terms, bird boxing. This, this is when you you capture a bird, and I believe you deliver it in a box to the person you're sweet on. Yeah, I don't know. It it sounds to me like uh, you want to trap them, so maybe. Uh... Well, here I did not see Bird Box. Neither did um, I. But, you didn't see it. No, mm-hmm. but uh, their their uh, their eyes are shielded. Right. And so I imagine it has something to do with that, right? Yeah, okay. it does. It does. Basically, it's being blind to just how bad your partner or the person you're seeing is. Ah. Yeah. So it's that was that was pretty close. Uh, people yeah, I th- at Tinder I think, came up I with that I think most one. of the women I've dated have had, had this problem, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, completely. I just interviewed somebody. We were just talking about that. Like, the person who ends up being somebody, oh, that was an abusive partner. At the beginning, it's like, woo! You yeah. know, everything seems so great. Yeah. And yeah, for sure. Uh, so in the film, I love, one of my favorite things about it was the way the creative filming where somebody would be texting somebody and this like apparition of the person appears and there's this one scene where one of the male characters is talking with somebody online and this like sexy angel woman appears in the room and it it just so well illustrated to me the way that we create these fantasies sure and then you meet her later on and she's not like the girl who 
he imagined she would be. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, when you start writing a movie about app dating, you realize very quickly that scenes of people just staring at their phone aren't going to be terribly compelling. <laughs> so you, wa- you want to try to find a way to, especially because you're trying to capture the emotion that goes of you, you're trying to capture that feeling of talking to someone new, someone you can't quite see. So you look for maybe more surreal, creative ways to depict those uh, emotions. So that's what I try to do throughout the film is is really get at the heart of what do these things feel like as opposed to how they actually are. Yeah, I think that's so great. And I also think it could be helpful for people who didn't grow up with technology. I mean, I didn't grow up fully with technology. I'm like... I had uh, internet in like high school, like yeah. later high school, a, sort of a little bit. So I remember what it's like to not have internet. But now there's like these big generation gaps. Sure. So for somebody to be able to watch this and see, oh, this is like what my teen kids are going through. And, that, and that was my hope with the movie, to, to get old people to understand their kids a little better. <laughs> you have some really great, uh, were those real couples, any of them, like at the beginning? Uh, no, they were all actors, uh, but the hope is that you think they're real, so that's good. Very effective. <laughs> Nikki, your character talks about remembering when she was a child and her dreams of, I think she wanted to marry Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you have those kind of like, did you have like a dream about your romantic life when you were a kid? I mean, I think... For sure. Yeah, I, growing up with Disney movies and just in the Amer- in the American culture, it's very fantastical. Is that a word? Fantastical. fantastical. <laughs> um, you know, about having this Prince Charming just swoop you off your feet and you fall in love out of passion and emotion and it, it lasts forever and you live happily ever after with a white picket fence and, you know, a dog and two kids. Um, and so that's actually what I had always assumed my life would be like and was waiting for that for so long. Um, it, it's, it's so interesting because my grandmother experienced life so differently. Um, she was a picture bride. And so she was married to married off by her uh, by her father to a man she had never met. And she came on a boat and met this person and then married him and stayed with him until he died. And, you know, when I ask her about love and what that means to her, she's just like, no choice. And, and, and like, very matter-of-factly, like, there's no uh, emotion attached. She's not mad. She's not sad. She's just, no choice. And I said, but didn't you wish that you could choose this person that you had to live with forever and build this life with? And did you guys really love each other? And she would be like, of course. But it was just... Her ver- I think her belief of what love is is very different. Love is an action. It's a verb. And you choose to do it with this partner that she believed was a gift her father gave her, which was a husband. Um, yeah, it's just such wow. a different way of I looking at it. I haven't heard the term picture bride. Like, I've heard about, you know, arranged marriages. It is an arranged marriage, but, it's but so, yeah. It just to get started with a picture, which is it literally analogous to... <laughs> Tinder, yeah. right, mean, right, right? It's like the old school Tinder. You do it through your dad. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. If your parents took over, oh, wow. I, I, that that doesn't seem so far off from something that could be. I mean, I think all these apps now are trying to come up with a gimmick that'll make things. I mean, that doesn't seem that. I, that's off true. From actually, it. a lot of people on their profiles, a lot of guys will be like, "My mom made me make this profile," yeah. and they're probably running it. That's yeah. interesting. That's well, there was that great show on um, MTV, Date My Mom. Remember that show? I never saw it. Oh, that was really good. So a guy would go on like three dates with moms, and then based <laughs> on that, he would pick the, the daughter to go. <gasps> that sounds so great. Oh, my gosh. Like, oh, this mom seems pretty cool, so like her daughter can't be terrible. My mom would have picked. I know who she would have picked because she was so mad I didn't go out with him again because he brought her baklava. <laughs> She was like, no, see him again. Because <laughs> he would bring her desserts. That's, that's, that's so funny. That's I went, probably I, would win me at, over, too. I was, I was at a party month. last night, and I brought baklava. <laughs> it's like a party trick of mine, because no one's just had baklava. It's always like a thing like, oh, I haven't had this in a long time. It's always a big hit at the party. It was a huge hit. Oh, that's so interesting, especially in Minnesota, where I'm from. 
you know, I had never seen baklava. Oof, so good. So it's very, yeah, it is It is delicious. This episode is sponsored by baklava. <laughs> Wait, is, is this uh, the meeting that you got to meet all your new oh, girls' yeah, yeah. friends? Yes, this is this is what oh. we were talking about this the other He's day. dating a new girl. Dating a new girl. And which, he just she, met all of her friends Yeah, and she, she's party. definitely going to listen to this. She's been listening to all my recent podcasts. Did you meet her to, online? On I did. I met her on uh, through Hinge. Yeah, and did you tell? when did you tell her about your film? I think pretty early on, because it's like the thing that's going on the most of my life. It would be disingenuous for me to not It'd be weird to learn it. that later, that you've yeah, been dating like, someone. It's like, by the way, I make movies about this stuff. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's easier now because it's done. I mean, while I was, I, you know, while I was making it and I was dating, I'd be like, yeah, I'm in the middle of making this movie. And they'd be like, oh, what's it about? I'm like, oh, it's this. And then they'd be kind of like, well, is this research or is this like a date? <laughs> and, um, you know. I had done enough research. I didn't need more research. But now, at least, you know, there's. It's not like I can go back and re-edit the movie to depict any new person I'm dating. Right. So She's like it's, the a, it's a little easier. To, I think it's a little easier to swallow now. When you were dating while making the film, though, yes, did did people think they might sure. be part of it? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Is that why they went out with you? I want to make a movie. <laughs> I don't think that's why they went out with me. I think more often than not, it was why they were apprehensive of maybe opening up. Ah, gotcha. I was really fascinated by the part where the two, like a couple, they basically trade Tinders. Yes. Well, yeah, because it was something that, uh, yeah, so there's a, an engaged couple who, when they hear that their friends are on all these apps, they get kind of morbidly curious about it, which I think was a, a common scenario when these apps first, you know, started to become ubiquitous and no longer this kind of taboo thing that only weirdos used, but something that everyone was using. I think there were a lot of people who felt like, oh, did we miss something? You know, and and ultimately that was what I was trying to capture with this movie. Not so much anything about apps, because apps are just, you know, it's just that, you know, it's all really about how they make us feel. And I think it heightens this grass is always greener thing that's existed within humans for forever. Uh, but it's heightened them. And it's not just people who are on the apps who are feeling the effects of it. Here's this engaged couple, but because it's in their periphery, it's making them start to doubt their own relationships. Just having it all in the air, it's just, uh, you know, it. it exacerbates things that I think have existed within human nature for forever. Totally. Yeah, it very much is a movie about emotions. And there's this part where somebody says something about, um, you know, basically whether it's romantic or not. Like, it's not that romantic to meet on an app. Because for me, I remember when using an well, there weren't apps. And then I also remember online dating was so taboo. Yeah. Like, no one would admit it. Like, how did you meet... Oh, um, and you kind of try to come up with an almost truth because right. you're like so embarrassed. Right. Have you ever felt like there's stigma around it in your lifetime? Do you feel like it can be really romantic? I think romantic? I'm older than you think I am. I think, um, I think a lot of people think you're you're younger. You're Nikki's sixty seven years old. I am. I it. am. I've been through it all. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, but yeah, I. I remember I remember the rise of of all these online dating apps and honestly I hadn't really gotten into doing them until this past year or like a little earlier inspired last by the film or no <laughs> Yeah, actually, when I made the film, I had never online dated at all. I was in a long-term relationship, and now it's finally, you know, coming out, and I'm like, here I am, guys. I'm in this world. <laughs> um, let me see what it's all about. And and so many of my experiences are being relived in the experiences that were in the movie. I'm like, oh, so it really is how it happens, I guess. Um, but, Nikki, you're, you're pretty... Um you're pretty confident, and you you don't. I I couldn't even imagine you even then lying about you know where you met somebody because what would you care what someone else would think? But actually, even my first experience getting on the app was weird for me. You know, even even though it it wasn't even that taboo anymore. I you know I just I had this thing about being see people seeing my profile in an industry like that I worked in I was very nervous about that like I didn't want people going on dates mm. with me just because uh, they wanted to work with me or I don't the, know I just didn't want stick it fans I don't know yeah I don't know it's 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 weird you know and so I actually originally started 
the my trying of online dating in San Francisco because I would go and visit my grandma like every single month. And I was like, you know, this is a good place to start. Nobody knows who I am. They don't know what I do. They're not from my industry. Like, let me see how this works. And so I tried it in, in San Francisco and I met so many great people and then was like, I don't know what I'm doing here because I'm never going to move up here. My whole life is in I can LA. never see you again. Yeah, yeah, you know, or I would see them once a month every time I would visit. But really, ultimately, that wasn't going to work for me to find a long-term relationship. And so I was like, you know, I, I should just try. Like, let me try in LA. And then funny enough, my uh, my last boyfriend was from the Bay but was in LA. And that's how I met him. And um, so... It worked out, you know, really nicely for me, but yeah. the app game in L.A. is very different than the app game in San Francisco really? from my personal so. experience. Um, I thought that people in San Francisco were more serious. They they actually wanted a relationship. They had that vision of finding a family and settling down, and they already had their career in alignment, so they were ready for a, a partner that would be stable. Whereas I think in L.A., um, my experience, at least, is that people a lot are not settled down yet. They haven't felt like they are living their true passion fully yet. Um, and so that conflicts and kind of takes their attention away from being able to focus on settling down or having a lot of attention for a relationship when they haven't got their career right yet. Um, that's been one of my experiences is like pe- a lot of people are moving here and that's who I end up meeting are people that have just moved here, which I'm like, this is great because I love the apps to make friends anyways. Um, that's a good approach too, I it, think. It is for me, but I don't know how well that's going over for everybody else in terms of like the guys that I'm actually going out with. I think they- I don't know what you're talking about. Guys, we just want friends too. I don't know. I feel like as soon as I put that friend thing on, they're like, oh. And I'm like, what's wrong with being friends? Yeah. All of my very successful relationships have started as friends. So I think it's better I think, that way. I think maybe in certain people's heads, what's great about these apps is it makes something that was once so uncertain slightly more certain. You know, before, before you go into a bar... Maybe you, you approach someone, you don't know, is this person available? If she's available, does she think I'm cute? It would be interested in this. Here, with the apps, you know if you swipe right on someone, they swipe right on you. At the very least, they're interested in something, and they think you're cute. Or the photos, if they're within reason of what you look like, you're cute. So to add this other thing of friendship, it just adds more uncertainty. It's, oh, is this, where is this going to go? It's just one extra hurdle, I think. Yeah, but I approach relationships very much in the way that I would hope that I was marrying my best friend or that that would become my relationship is somebody who really wanted to know me as my friend. And especially on the dating apps with all the stigmas. Uh, if somebody approaches me and I can tell they just want to sleep with me or I feel that energy that that's what it is, I immediately block myself off to them because I'm like, no, I want to know, do you want to get to know me? Because otherwise it's it's not. Yeah, I think I you know I think there's a, a medium between I only want to sleep with people and I only want to be friends. Yeah, but why can't, I just don't understand. You can't do it, Nikki, I'm telling you. <laughs> I just think, like, yeah, be my friend. Yeah, Because yeah. obviously I was already attracted to you in some facet. You know what I mean? Right, which you have to to be friends, too. I mean, I think that's a really yeah. mature and reasonable approach that certainly turned out to be the best one for me, but it was hard for me to get there because I used to approach dating with, like, almost, like, this desperation of, like, or just like really looking for the one, the one. you know what I mean? Yeah. And that that puts a whole different type of pressure on things. And it's really nice when you're actually being yourself, you know, and just right. trying to, especially in the world of, of the, you know, I have friends who are sex educators who are dating and they, a lot of them have stopped putting their career path down. Interesting. Because people will expect them to like hang from the ceiling naked and like, ah. Uh, you know, you show not, them all their tricks. They're oh. not hanging from the ceiling naked. Well, some of them might be. I mean, I think I thought that's how they educated. Like a like that an could owl. be educational. It it could be, I suppose. I I don't think it's really first date material though. Mm. I'm thinking. 
Yeah. Have you ever had to like turn on, try to hide part of your like in LA? Did you did you I, not put certain things about you or try like not a picture or anything? Um, I actually do use my profile to weed people out, kind of. Mm. So in the sense that I put my first picture on that I really think depicts who I am as a person, and then the second follow up picture is one that I am basically playing a role you know like i am playing the sexy character and i always want to see which one they're gonna like because you know on hinge they can like a specific photo and so when they like the sexy one i'm like oh okay this is i i see where we're going with this you know because i know that's not my personality It's, it's like that casting thing I forget what it's called. I don't know if they still do this, but back when I was acting, like you go into this place and they like typecast you. Yeah. You know, like you just, yeah. they just tell you what you, it's like, it's kind of an audition. Like you're like, here's my different headshot looks. And yeah, yeah. And which vibe am I getting? Right. But, which vibe are you but, trying but, to get but, from but, me is what I'm wondering. But you already have a wrong answer. What? You have a wrong, they're not all right answers. Which photo they can like of yours. I mean. <laughs> if they like the sexy one, you say that disqualifies them. Now, I still talk to them, but I, I have I have a stigma. Yeah, I have something in my head about like you what do you want research. from me? Yeah, yeah you yeah, totally well, do. Why, why wait till you meet them to play games? <laughs> <laughs> so I have a listener question for our resident sex and relationship therapist, Dr. Megan Fleming, that kind of ties into this topic. Yeah, well, you you mentioned that, and this is something that happens in the movie. Exactly, and that was not planned. I actually got this question and sent it to her before. I saw yeah, the and, movie, and it like happens. It happens like, like exactly in the movie. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. So here is. The question which came from Beverly who wrote this my partner and I weren't spending much time together and I reconnected with my high school boyfriend on Facebook ended up ripping the relationship apart and I'm currently not with either of them mm. she added this I've heard many times once a cheater always a cheater is that true I'm afraid to try online dating given the drama that unfolded with all of this but that would honestly be the best way for me to meet someone right now I want to be able to trust myself and also trust someone will love me and to meet somebody and that I can be a good partner. Feeling pretty alone in this, what can you give me for advice? Here's what Dr. Megan Fleming of GreatLifeGreatSex.com had to say. Beverly, thank you so much for sort of sharing your experience with us because you are absolutely not alone. I can't tell you, it's almost like this new, in a sense, zeitgeist or Um, time in our culture where when people are feeling disconnected from their partners, never before have they had so much access to people they have historically been intimate with, whether that's physically and or emotionally. And so Facebook and other social media platforms really has been an opportunity for people when they're feeling isolated and alone and disconnected from their partners to reconnect and in a sense fan the flames right that they once had with someone in their lives and so um, you know I'm not surprised in some ways that you had that experience of reconnecting with your high school boyfriend and yet I'm also not so surprised to hear how it can rip it apart because ultimately Anytime from my perspective when we are getting our needs met outside of our relationship versus seeking to get them in our relationship. Unless, of course, that's been a very conscious um, conversation around negotiating your monogamy and fidelity agreement, right? Because some people do make that discussion or have that discussion around opening things up. And it's um, where both parties have made that sort of that commitment, right? Versus in this case you sort of, I imagine, unilaterally made the choice. And in doing so, and in time, your partner found out. And of course, that is that role of, it's not even the sex or, you know, that aspect of it. It's often the betrayal of trust that can really blow things up. And it sounds like that's exactly what you experienced, which was it being blown apart and then ultimately not having either of them. And I, as I hear you say that, Beverly, I just want to say I have the utmost empathy for just the pain of that, right? You know, not feeling the connection with your current partner and then ultimately being alone, right? And not feeling connected to either. And I'm definitely hearing you say that um, 
you are overall feeling alone in this process, in this journey. So first of all, I guess a part of me wants to say, if you're that feeling isolated alone, and I can appreciate that you may not be want to be discussing it with friends, that this is the role of seeing a therapist, a qualified therapist, because you should never feel alone in your experience or your feelings. And what makes perfect sense about just the dilemma that you are in, what wasn't working in your previous relationship, what drew you to your, you know, your previous boyfriend and how everything panned out and ultimately how it all ended up that I just want you to know that you don't have to be alone or feel alone in that experience because therapists really can help you in that healing process. But the other part that you're bringing up too is, you know, a sort of a fear-based thing, the sense of, you know, hearing if once a cheater, always a cheater. And is that true? And, you know, what I want to say about that is it really depends. And most importantly, because you have been a cheater, what are you committed to, right? Because hopefully now in hindsight, you recognize, right, the patterns, the warning signs, the flags, what led you to ultimately seeking comfort, intimacy, connection with your ex-boyfriend. And that when, if you're in a new relationship and problems arise, as I hate to say it, but is normative, right? That relationships are ultimately about sort of that rupture and the repair that we do get disappointed and frustrated. And it's really about ideally when I'm working with couples, the things I'm looking for is, you know, less frequent, less intense in terms of um, the disagreements, the fighting and quicker time back into connection, right? That to me is what ideally people are looking for in a healthy, happy relationship. And so what you're asking is, you know, how do I know or trust somebody else? And in terms of being online, you know, I agree with you. It is a great way to meet people because, you know, depending on your age, the reality is if you're not in college or school or new to a job or new to a city, I sort of refer to these as windows of opportunity. If you're not in that circumstance, it's not always easy, right, to meet somebody who's interested and available in dating. So I think online is an amazing resource. But ultimately, to your point, it's a stranger, right? Not vetted by friends or somebody that you're having frequent contact with. And so it is, you know, that process of building trust. And, you know, the reality is when you meet somebody new, I don't know, you don't know whether or not they've cheated. But the fact that that question is top of mind, we sort of say, um, it may sound crass in a sense, but it's like if you spot it, you've got it, right? The fact that you're even thinking about it is because you have cheated. Therefore, in a sense, you're almost projecting, you know, is somebody else that I'm going to be intimate with moving forward, they also a cheater. And the reality, I think in my mind, like in a sense to affair proof or keep a relationship safe, quote unquote, from cheating is to, you know, recognize are our needs getting met? And are we able, most importantly, when we're disappointed and frustrated, how do we talk about those things? How do we restore connection? How do we um, engage in difficult conversations that so often couples avoid? So what I want you to know is that first of all, it's about, as you're saying, trusting yourself that you know when and if somebody isn't meeting your needs, you're going to proactively have those conversations before you would then turn to another like you had historically. And that when and if you're feeling distance or um, any change of behavior that becomes, again, a warning sign or flag with a potential new partner, that you're feeling more comfortable to just explore and be curious about what's happening in the relationship. Because I think ultimately, most people really do want to feel the safety, the stability, and the eroticism with a partner. Unless, of course, it is their own sexual interest and desire to have many partners, but that all of this is something to be explored and negotiated. But the part I want to bring back and talk about with you is do not let fear get in the way of your exploring relationships, building intimacy, having sexual partners, because, you know, it's like a hopefully this past experience, which ended badly and both relationships didn't work out. I often refer to this concept of one trial learning, right? That you've learned a lot from that. And so that is exactly what you take with you and how and why your future relationships are going to look completely different. So as always, would love to hear how it goes. Thank you so much, Dr. Megan. I love what she said about you know, you are not automatically always a cheater. You know, there is that kind of a myth. But, and some people are serial 
cheaters, but um, that you can heal and work on yourself and move on. You just don't usually hear those stories because there's so much shame around it for someone to say, you know, I cheated and cheated and then and I stopped. <laughs> you know, it's not a common narrative that we hear, but there's definitely hope. Um, so tell us about the decision to choose to include a story essentially related to that very thing. You know, when, you know, I'm trying with the film, I was trying to talk about, again, you know, the range of experiences. And for me, these apps, you know, both dating ones and also apps like Instagram and Facebook, nostalgia plays a heavy part in them. And I felt like it's such a large part um, that maybe isn't discussed so much when we discussed apps and that it's easy to um, conflate your own memories with the memories that are being pushed on Instagram and Facebook, pictures from the past or current pictures of people from your past. You start to create an image of what this person who you haven't seen in 10 years is like. And that image is formed, you know, both by your memories of them from the past and uh, new pictures and then what you need them to be in your own head in that moment in time. And I think it can get confusing. Uh, so I wanted to have a character who was kind of tempted by his own idea of someone from his past. Uh, and, and what that means, you know, there was a time, uh, and one of my characters said this, when, you know, you, you'd break up with someone and that would kind of be the last you heard of them if you really wanted. Um, but now, you know, unless you, uh, what was that word when you cloak. do, unless you cloak someone <laughs> completely, you're going you're gonna to be seeing pictures of them pop up. Uh, and I think that's kind of unique to our time that we have to, you know, with these apps, we really carry the past with us um, in a way that maybe past generations haven't, that we're, we're constantly being confronted again with, you know, these people who had an effect on us who maybe aren't in our lives now, but are still somehow in our periphery. Yeah, yeah, that's really fascinating. Have either of you ever met somebody, not necessarily a romance, you know, or someone you had a crush on, but someone from the past? And we do, we create these ideas about who they're going to be or meeting someone online and having like an online friend and then you meet them. Usually I find that they are who they seem to me. And every once in a while, it's completely different. What about you, Nikki? Um, I think, I, well... I had this one experience where I had this great chemistry with this person online. Like, oh, as we would talk, we'd FaceTime. We would we we didn't live in the same place, right? So he was from the Bay, and we connected so well, but we hadn't met in person. And then we met in person, and it was it was so weird for me because we had built this huge relationship. Uh, already, but it felt different when I and it, it like he's still such a great guy and he's still a good friend of mine. But I just felt different. Like I didn't feel the same connection that I felt online as I did in person. Yeah, you can have a completely different relationship online. Yeah, and and not have anything feel like you can't really speak or connect in person. I mean, yeah, that'd be it, more extreme. It, yeah, but. it wasn't that. It was. It might have just been, honestly, that we had built this connection as if we were very close, but I had never, like, he had never even touched my hand or, like, been near me, and so for him to do such a thing felt weird because I was not ready for that. I'm like, wait, I, I know you, but I really don't. And my body was not ready for meeting you. That is so interesting, isn't it? Because you can have all this emotional intimacy and you might not even have any physical chemistry when you meet. Yeah. Yeah, it, take, it takes both parts. Um, you know, I haven't really had anyone that, you know, I had some kind of long correspondence with and then I met them and they were, you know, it's more that, you know, there are people who, you know, who I knew in the past who, if this were another generation, I probably would have never heard from it again. But because of the nature of the way things are, they like a f Instagram photo of mine every couple weeks, or I watch their Insta story, and you know I have I feel like I have some sense of what their life is like, and I, maybe I do, maybe I don't, but I feel that way. Um, 
you know, so there's some kind of relationship there that maybe we haven't even spoken directly to each other, but I'm watching their stories, they're watching mine, they've seen my pictures, I've seen I've seen there there's there's some kind of relationship. I you know, it's that I'm sure lots of people have with lots of other people and it's it's hard to exactly quantify and and know what it means. And, and and its significance. Is is this a significant relationship? Would I be, you know, what does, does this person owe me anything? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's fascinating. I have relatives I'm in touch with on Facebook who I probably never would have even known existed before. Yeah. You know, I Same. mean. Yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting. What was uh, the best part of making this film for you, Nikki? Oh, man. I mean, it was really cool because I had never experienced online dating. And I felt like I was living the epitome of uh, what anyone's fantasy of an online dater would be like, you (laughs) know, getting requests for threesomes, getting to date all these different guys and like just having all these uh, crazy experiences and getting to live that out, even though I had never experienced it was really fun um, because I didn't know you know so I got to play it in a pretend world which <laughs> was safe yeah <laughs> completely completely yeah. less messy those those um those memory threesomes from the actor standpoint yeah <laughs> versus versus the strangers you met on your app right right <laughs> yeah and how about you what was uh, well you know most... th- this is my first feature film this whole process was really a dream come true um you know just every day getting to work with other really talented artists, whether they be actors or cinematographers or the people who do the lighting and, uh, you know, just my producers who I've known since, you know, film school. Uh, it, it was just, you know, getting to do something that you love. It's was a great feeling. And uh, we, you know, it was important to me that, you know, you want to take things seriously. You want it to be as good as possible. But you know, you don't know when the next time you're going to be able to make a movie is. It's so tough. It requires so much money and talent and, and work. So I tried to have a good time. You know, I tried to make it a, a fun set, a set where people, you know, felt comfortable telling me the ideas and stuff like that. And, you know, I think a lot of us became friends. I mean, it's a different, it's kind of like camp friends where you get very close for a couple of weeks and then you go your other ways, but you keep in touch. Um, so I mean the whole the whole process was just a ton of fun, um, you know, in the way that accomplishing something important should be. That's really beautiful. I yeah, mean, we had a really that. great cast and crew with really yeah. good energy and vibe. It was it was just a lot of fun. That's yeah, and I hope great. that comes across in some way in in the film that these it was made by people who cared about the process and had a good time doing it. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I think it's an uplifting film for great. sure. And one last tip for up-and-coming artists. Nikki, so many people have aspirations to be, whether it's in acting or another art form, what would you advise someone? Um, One thing that I actually just met with my mentee right before this, but I always tell them to put out their dreams and be very specific about it so that people that you tell, they'll know ways to help you or they can figure out ways to help you. Um, so one is, is saying your dream to people and and not being afraid, just owning it. Because when people see that you're passionate about what you do, they, they love to support passion. Everybody's looking for that. And you'd be surprised how many people will be willing to help you if you, um, show that you're in it, you know, that you're working hard, that you love it. And they want to see people happy and following their dreams. Um, and two, I would say put yourself out there first to help others. So just, I, I'm a real believer in karma and what you put out in the world is what you're going to get back. And so, you know, if you want to attract people to mentor you and help you and be there for you, you have to do that for them too, uh, or do that for the world. And and the ones that are right for you will come to you too. Mm, I love that advice. And it's a much more pleasant experience too, mm-hmm. to know that you're going out there and helping people. Yeah. That's beautiful. What about you, Michael, especially for people wanting to create something from scratch? Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of artists um, out here in LA, in the country, in the world, and but not everyone's motives are the same. People want to do things for different reasons. And, th- and, that's, and that's fine, but you know, if you're someone who who cares 
about your work, you know, whatever that may be. It, it means something to you. You need to surround yourself with people who have those similar motivations, that it's only going to hurt you to connect with someone who maybe you think, oh, this could lead to something or another. But if they don't care, if, if this is just another stop along the way or, or they're looking for something else out of it, it's not going to help you. That, you know, the best way to go about anything is to surround yourself with people who care as much as you do, mm. um, you know, about the thing that you're doing. Yeah, yeah, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Exactly. This all sounds like great dating advice, too, by the way. Sure. <laughs> you know, even the making the film and saying, I'm going to have fun with this, like having a fun approach, being true to yourself, being clear with your goals. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and being kind. Like, mm-hmm. those are all really important things. Yeah. Congratulations, both Thank of you. you. Thank you so much. I'm glad you enjoyed the film. Tell us where people can find it, watch it, support yeah. it. So right now it's available everywhere on digital and on demand. So what that means is pretty much anywhere where you can rent and buy movies, um, whether that be iTunes or Amazon Prime or Vudu or Vimeo or any anywhere, um, you can uh, rent it and buy it there and also on demand. So Comcast or Verizon or Spectrum. So it's, it's available in a lot of places. Um, you know, it's a independent, uh, heartfelt, uh, ensemble comedy that uh, I'm very proud of and you know I think I'd love it if you uh, gave it a chance it's a truly independent film not made with the help of any kind of studio or anything just people who really cared and wanted to make a good movie awesome yeah. and I think uh, if you you can also find everybody on Instagram at browsing effect mm-hmm. um, and me personally is just at Nikki Suhu N-I-K-K-I-S-O-O-H-O-O she does great stories Mm-hmm. As we stay, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so search for the browsing effect on any of those platforms. Yeah, and you know we were, I believe, the first movie ever with the word browsing in the title. So, oh, uh, oh my gosh! So it, it's not that hard to find. It's not like there's a lot of. Uh, That's awesome. So it, you, you do browsing in movie, it'll probably be pretty close to the top. Awesome. Nice. Well, I wish you all the best with it, and listeners, if you go down to your show notes in your app. There'll be a link, so oh, go straight to we it. love a link. Awesome. Yeah, we're into links. And if you're enjoying Girl Boner Radio, please hit the subscribe button if you haven't on your app and leave us a simple rating or review. Thank you so much for listening and have a beautiful Girl Boner Embracing Week. Girl Boner Radio is owned, operated, and executively produced by me, August McLaughlin, with technical producer and audio extraordinaire, Mackenzie Mazel, as part of the Period Podcast Network, an affiliate of Starburns Industries. Learn more about the Girl Boner podcast brand movement and book series at girlboner.org and more about Period at periodnetwork.com.